Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Well, I want to welcome each and every one of you to a new series that we're going to be doing all month. I wanna look in the camera there, welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus that are streaming there with us. All of you that maybe are in another venue here at the Keller campus, we're glad that you're with us. One of our video services, if you're watching this later, and we also wanna welcome all those that are watching us online. Put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us this weekend. We're starting a new series entitled Magnify. And this time of year, usually, I take some time to talk to you. The best way I can describe it is to try to talk to you a little bit about the experiential side of God, the the experiential relationship that you can have with God. I, I find that it's easy to get trapped based on our culture and world, and because I'm one of you and I know you and I understand a lot of our backgrounds and our, our, our understandings and just our culture in general. I find that it's easy to get into the form of our faith. It's easy to get into the things of our faith. It's easy even to get into just your relationship with God being a cerebral set of facts that you understand about God, but no one ever has shown you how to really experience God, how to have this relational connection with God. So in the past few years, I've talked about the power of a relationship with the Holy Spirit and that Jesus said it's to your advantage that I leave, I give you my Holy Spirit to to relate to, to walk with, to be connected with God and I wanna spend the next few weeks talking to you about the subject of magnifying God and specifically I wanna talk to you and help you take some steps in your worship of God. Because I find that there is, again, some things that we maybe don't understand, maybe some hang-ups from our experiences, maybe some things we believe about God that maybe is not true and I wanna be very clear that it's not just that I'm talking about what we do in a service, but what you do in your private time. I wanna help you take some steps to learn how to connect with God, to experience God, to be with God, to worship God. And I'll just be very frank with you, I believe all of us need to take some steps in this area. I believe all of us have some hangups and have some barriers and things in this place because maybe we don't understand it. I was thinking about worship and the power of it and, and worship ultimately is your whole life. It's, it's not just singing, it's not just a confessing scripture, it's not just a service that you go to, it's, it's really your whole life and your whole heart and, and I was reading in my own time, I'd like you if you have your Bibles to turn with me, all of us together to Psalm chapter 34, the, the book of Psalms. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible, it's got a lot of chapters and it is a book 
that helps us in our experience with God. And I was reading through that in my own personal time and praying about you and thinking about it. And I, I ran across this verse. It's a, it's a verse that came back to recall, you know? That's the power of the word of God, by the way, that it doesn't return void. It, it has a stickiness to it. And so I had, I had songs that came to my mind. I had, had, had this verse in my mind, probably from a, an older translation, but it, it, it really grabbed me. It, it says this in Psalm 34, three, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us, another step, let us exalt his name together. Well, what would that look like if I learned more how to magnify the Lord with my life and my worship? And what would it look like if we learned better how to come together and let us exalt his name together. It just began to, to just be something that I started meditating on and chewing on and thinking about and thinking about that verse. You know, the word magnify means to make bigger. I thought in our culture, you know, that verse might be changed to say, oh, why don't we magnify our problems together? Why don't we talk about what's wrong in the world? Why don't we focus on how I got a bad deal and you got a bad shake and we got a bad, blah, blah, blah. But the psalmist says, what if we magnified the Lord instead of our problems? What if we magnified the Lord instead of our circumstances? What if we did it together? Magnify means to make bigger. So my first thought when I thought about magnify is I started thinking about magnification. And I learned in like the 1200s is where we get the first time this magnification comes and through to scientific advances and that we could get glasses, reading glasses. I, um, I don't have a problem with that, but my arms are getting longer. I'm still a little bit in denial, but that's 1.5 magnification. And uh, so you, you might, I've been really studying what kind of glasses I should get. One of our teammates took a picture of me and said, hey, can we show this this weekend? So this is me behind the scenes. I did settle on a pair. I think they're strong, yet powerful. I think they're distinct, yet somewhat intellectual, and, and, and they kind of have a good combination, you know? I thought about the chains. I thought that might not be good for my image, so I went with the strong. That's me, yeah, I need them, yeah, behind the scenes. 1.5 magnification, a magnifying glass is like six times, two to six times the power. And here's something we have now. If you don't have your reading glasses, you can take your iPhone camera, just a little, little hack here, and you can use that to read the menu. Anybody guilty of that? You can use your magnifying glass on your phone there, and it actually will go five times for you. And, um, and, and, and actually, uh, this, this camera iPhone had a great impact on my life. Uh, when I was 32, so it was about 18 years ago, I used to get my hair cut by one of our staff members, Eddie Guerra, and, uh, and so he, he said that I needed a moment of truth. That's why you need people in your life. 
Now my wife had said this to me, which is generally how it happens, guys. She's right, but you can't, you know, you can't go with it yet. She said I had a comb over. I felt like that was disrespectful. <laughs> Although I jumped in a swimming pool and got out and I had one long strand that I'd just been circling up there. But it took Eddie and his iPhone to show me what I really look like. I thought I might show you just to really throw myself. That's where it was before I shaved it. Pretty bad, pretty dangerous. Some of you have that problem. You just haven't admitted to it. So after the service, you can come forward. We'll take an iPhone. The first step to getting help is admit you have a problem. And, and, and you bunching it together is not doing anything for you. I just thought I would tell you that. Now, my wife uses her iPhone. I'm sorry. She, every time we're going somewhere, she looks in her iPhone makeup and she's making sure she doesn't have any boogers. <laughs> she is so afraid of having a booger, walking in with a booger. I'm like, there ain't been a booger in there for years. Let me show you what a booger looks like. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> iPhone magnification, the school microscope is 200 times, a telescope is 1,000 times, an electron microscope 50 million times. You say, are we really talking about that when we say magnify God? Actually, as I studied the Hebrew word for magnify, it's gadol, and I learned something. I thought I might share it with you as I started really just really meditating on this word magnify. The fact of the matter is human language comes up short. The word is really kind of used to uh, ascribe esteem and, and, and some kind of hierarchy or, or, or some way that you might look at a human and, and, and put high value and importance to that person. But really when the psalmist is using this here, he's, he's using the word, but he, he, he's, he's saying it's, it's beyond that because the fact of the matter is that God can't even be contained within the electron microscope or the magnifying glass because his greatness is so great, his awesomeness is so infinite in our minds, it's, it's mind-blowing to understand how big and how great, but... I just want you to just kind of get in this vein to say, well, what does it really mean to magnify the Lord? Because we focus on whatever is biggest. We focus on the largest object. And I know some of you might have said, man, a month-long series on worship? I go to church to listen to the guy talk, you know? It's like, what? Like, worship? Like, don't, don't, isn't that like for like emotional people? Isn't that like for people that need that? Just, just kind of, you know, needy people who need that kind of experience? Just kind of, you know, I, I just kind of worship God by doing or you, you don't understand maybe. And, and I just want you to know we, we all worship. We, we all give our emotion to something. We, we all give our affection to something. We, we all magnify something in our lives. We all glorify something. We all are made to worship. And so everyone worships in this series. You're like, what are you really trying to do? Well, I'd just love to always lay it out to you. First of all, I want you 
to know how to make God bigger in your life. Not that he needs to be made bigger by us, he's big all by himself, but there's something that happens when we make him bigger in our perspective. When we begin to magnify him in our life, I want your connection to him to be stronger, and I want your worship to be more intentional. I want us to read this verse in the book of Psalms in its entirety because magnification is embedded at the center. And when you look at the book of Psalms, by the way, we tend to personalize these. I think they're powerful for personal worship. I, a lot of times, will start with Psalms. If you're like, man, I just have trouble like praying and be, being with God and spending time with God and, and connecting to God, you know, it's just kinda like I don't really kinda get there well, I learned as a young guy, I learned that we enter his courts with praise. We enter in that way. So you say, what do you mean, pastor? Well, when you start taking some of these Psalms that acknowledge who God is, it's actually a deeply theological book, by the way. It's not just a little devotional book. The theme of Psalms and the wisdom literature is in a place where there was plural, plurality and many gods, it's exalting the true and living God as the God that is God. That you don't need to bargain with all your other little subpar gods, that you need to look to the God who is God. That's what it's saying, but when you begin to praise that God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, I will praise you, I will lift you up, I will thank you, then you enter in. You enter in. When you just begin to say those things, when you begin to sing those things, when you begin to praise him, but the psalmist says to us, I will bless the Lord at all times. You know, I go to a lot of church, do a fair amount of church, I would love to tell you that every time I have to go to church, I feel like blessing the Lord. You're like, you're a pastor, that's sad. I don't. I'd love to tell you that every time I spend time with God, that I feel like it. The psalmist says, it doesn't matter what you feel, I will bless the Lord. Sometimes you have to tell your soul, I will not be distracted. I will not meditate on my problems. I will not evaluate all this through the lens of what my preferences are. I will bless the Lord. At all times, I will bless the Lord. I will. I just will do it. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That's participatory. We're going to talk about that next week. This thing's participatory. It's not observational. It's not, well, oh man, that's really interesting. Well, that was good. It's participatory. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. That's really the root of worship is humility. Getting myself out of the way so I can humble myself before a great and mighty God. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. The poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him 
and he delivers them. I, I, I want you to understand that, that there's a soul side of us, there's a spiritual side of us. It's not all just cerebral logic. There's a spiritual world, you're a spiritual being. You're participating in a spiritual reality. I love to think about that. I love to think about that sometimes. I just pray that. I mean, my mom taught me to pray, pray a hedge of thorns. I don't even know what that is, but it feels powerful. The angels are encamped around my kids. The angels are around my house. He says this, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. I like this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's an interesting metaphor. Taste God. Well, you know when you have something that you don't like the taste. It says, oh, taste and see. Experiential. Taste and see. I'm convinced most people don't understand the power of what it means to be connected to a mighty God because they've never tasted it. All they've known is dusty, old, rote, religious activity. They don't know what it means to actually taste and see. And you begin to go, oh, man, that's good. That tastes good. He's better than Bluebell. That's hard to beat. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. A powerful, powerful verse that God wants us to personalize in our lives. So we need to ask ourselves when we look at that verse and we see what's contained in it, are we magnifying ourselves or are we humbling ourselves before an almighty God? Are we magnifying our problems or are we magnifying God? This message series is not all about when we come together to worship, but it's also, again, when we come together, because it says when we learn to magnify the Lord, then we come together and exalt his name together. And I'll just be very straightforward with you that, that I understand how some of you feel. It's kind of like, man, what is it? Well, what are we really doing? Like, I don't know these songs. I don't know what they're doing. Like, is this legal? I feel you. I, I was you. I thank God that I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a home with first-generation Christians, my parents. I'm so thankful that my mom, my grandfather, moved them to East Texas because of the oil patch, and she found herself on a little road on Schaffner Drive in Longview, Texas, and somebody started a church right down the road. It's why... I always love to help pastors and churches because you never know a generation, a legacy could be changed by one little church having VBS. There was a vacation Bible school and she went there and she gave her life to Christ and man, it just took and she would take me to church. And my dad, his dad died when he was nine years old. My dad really got saved reading the Bible. That's why I love the word of God. The book of Proverbs changed my legacy because of my dad getting engaged with the word of God. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up going to church. But I wanna tell you how I feel, some of you, where you're at. I, I thank God for my heritage. And are you saying, Jeff, you never experienced God? No, I experienced God, but, but there was only certain times where we really experienced God. But in general, we just kinda ran the play a lot of times. And so we just kinda did the stuff a lot of times. And in my early 20s, my wife took me to her church now, this is more common than it was back then. And I'll never forget, I was like some of you. Got invited to this church. 
Man, they got up there, it was way more radical than this. Some dude was up there, looked like he was like a member of the Grateful Dead or something, and he, he was on a guitar electric with amplification. <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, man, is a lightning bolt gonna hit this place? I didn't even know if it was right. I thought God may be mad, but she was real good looking, so I came back the next week. Y'all know what I'm saying? A good looking woman will get a man anywhere. Y'all know what I'm saying? Can I tell you what happened? What happened in my life was I really learned that I had a lot of cerebral knowledge about God, but my heart had a lot of barriers toward God. I was stuck in my styles. I was stuck in my tradition. I was stuck in my pride. If it wasn't fitting everything that I felt personalized my experience and I began to observe other people that were more, I will bless the Lord. I don't care if I like the song or not. I will bless the Lord at all times. That's why it's hard to have a multi-generational church, by the way. It's hard to have a multi-generational church. Because in a multi-generational church, there's multiple styles, there's multiple expressions, there's multiple things. And, and one guy said, it's easier to change somebody's theology than it is their music. It's not about the style. It's not about the music. It's not about whether you like the graphic. It's about you and your relationship with God. And I tell you, I went on a journey of really just telling you, just honestly, just, just really learning what, what it means to worship God, what it means to experience God. So if some of you are in that place and you're just like, man, I don't get it. That's why we give you coffee. <laughs> we know how you feel. It gives you something to hide behind. You don't know what to do with your hands. And I, I was, I've been there. I saw these people and I'm like, they need counseling. What's wrong with them? Do you know, actually, we're gonna in this series look at some of the New Testament stories. Those who have been forgiven much love much. Those who are aware of their need for God express their love for God. So it's not just styles and personalities, but if you're there, I understand it. I wanna to talk to you in my final few moments, wherever you're at, any campus, watching online, how do we magnify God? And I have two thoughts for you here. It's just, I'm sorry, I'm a preacher, so it's two R's. I had two R's in my head. And so I don't know why, I just had two R's. I just began to think about, you know, I wanna simplify this to the lowest common denominator, so I, I had for your convenience two R's. The first of all is that you gotta understand if you're gonna magnify God, you gotta understand there's resistance to that. There's resistance. You have to learn to overcome the barriers. There's resistance to you magnifying God. Because the Bible says, in your obedience, I'll disclose myself to you. Did you know God is everywhere, but he is somewhere in unique ways when he manifests himself. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll start drawing people to myself. There is something about God's presence. Why would the enemy want you to magnify God? Because you're bringing God's presence into your world. There's barriers. Now, I don't believe that we can just start in the middle of the book if we're gonna talk about magnify. We can't just start out here at fifth grade. I'm gonna take it all the way back to kindergarten for a minute. I don't do this a lot, 
but I want to talk to you about the first barrier. Some people don't worship God because they don't believe in God. They, They don't believe in him. In fact, this last week, we have started this week with us here at Milestone. We love the next generation. We have 97 next generation students that are spending the summer with us here at Milestone. 97, there they are, NGSL we call it, Next Gen Student Leadership, because we don't believe the church is peripheral to the world. We believe the church is where you can grow and learn and develop and become everything God's called you to be. So we just invite them in with us to help train up the next generation. And so I get fired up about it. It was the first day, and I was the first speaker. And I went in there for two and a half hours and panther preached and yelled and sweated on them. Exciting, man. It was my favorite thing I did this week. At the end, I said, Hey, do you guys have any questions? Did you know I was amazed by most of their questions? Most of their questions were, Pastor, how do I talk to my brother? He says he doesn't believe in God. How do I talk to my uncle? He says he doesn't believe in God. How do I talk to my mom? He says she doesn't believe in God. See, I want to tell you, we, we have had a shift in our culture. We're no longer just getting Baptists and Methodists and and, and Episcopalian and people that are religious to get under lordship. That still happens. Religious people that need to get under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're living in a post-Christian world where these kids are growing up in environments where the structures around a biblical and God-centered worldview are not present. So I wanna help some of you with this. If you're in that camp or if you are communicating with someone in that camp, and I'm gonna give you some big words, and it's not about the big words to impress you, it's just I wanna give you a thought process, because if someone says they don't believe in God, where do you start? What does that look like? Well, when you're studying how to communicate to someone in that, there's a few things that you can start with. First of all, is the cosmological argument. So if someone says, and by the way, I don't believe most people are able to hold to a true belief that there is no God because it begins to break down really quick. The fact of the matter is, you have to ask one question. Where did all this come from? That's what the psalmist keeps honing in on, the creator, the creator, the creator. And some say, well, I don't believe in the creation. I believe in the Big Bang. But you gotta ask yourself the question, who created the Big Bang? Because something doesn't come from nothing. Entropy is a concept that things move away from order, they don't move toward, towards order. So there has to be some initial inertia of some kind of thing to start it all. You gotta grapple with that. Another one is a moral argument. I was communicating with someone who's talking to someone who says that they are an atheist, but when you unpack it, they're not really in that place. They really are at the next point that I'm gonna give you in a moment. But they, they were talking about they didn't believe in God, but they were upset with their children's moral choices. If there is no God, then it's every man for himself. Every human being has some sense of a moral code. Even at the places where people are living in absolute opposition to the things of God, there's something in them that says, that's wrong. Where does that come from? That's the moral argument. The next one is the teleological argument. It's the concept of intelligent design. When you look at where the psalmist goes, the creator of the universe, 
something you have to grapple with if you say there is no God is not only did this creator create an initial inertia, there's intelligence to this design. I mean, it ain't just something that just, if we're gonna believe in random happenstance, there's many probability issues. There's a lot of statistical probabilities that are mind-blowing. The earth, its distance from the sun, how it rotates on its axis, it's, it's far enough to not burn us up and it's not too far that we freeze to death. The human eye, the human eye, mind-blowing. One of the writers on it talks about like a mousetrap, it's like all the pieces, not just some of it being intelligent design, all the pieces have to work together for any of it to work at all. This isn't getting to third grade or fourth grade, this is just a starting place of you have to grapple with. And as I've experienced talking with someone, they want us to be able to talk about these things. I think even some people who think, Jeff, you're talking about being a worshiper. You're talking about magnifying God. Does that mean that I have to get a lobotomy and check my brain at the door? No, I actually believe, as the Bible says, we worship God. We worship him with our minds. I think it takes more faith to not believe in God when you really look at the actual facts of the truth of these questions. But in my experience, it's not the teleological argument, the cosmological argument, it's really number two. I don't worship God because I feel like he let me down. When you probe deeper into the lives of people, they struggle with worshiping God because they have subscribed to the reality that God is the cause of all things that happen that are bad. And I tell you, in our culture, it's really challenging because when you set yourself up as God, when you set yourself up as the one who earned everything you have, when you believe you've created your own heaven here on earth, when you believe that you don't need God, that group of people really struggles when pain and challenge comes into their lives. And so many people struggle with that, and we haven't done a great job. In fact, when I preach on it, sometimes it's some of the biggest responses I get. In fact, this person that I'm talking about actually said, you know what, I would believe in God as long as it's not the God you're talking about. Maybe you could show me another God, so that tells me you're not an atheist, you're looking for God. But you have got this mental belief of how people have done certain things, and there is evil in the world, and Really, at the end of the day, there's no satisfactory explanation except we live in a fallen world and the question's not, will we have pain? Will we have challenge? The question is, do you know how to walk with God in it and he will be there with you in it and through the challenges? Here's a big one. I don't worship God because it's not my personal style or the tradition that I'm familiar with. So we get caught up in styles and thoughts and traditions and things that hang us up and places maybe where we've been touched emotionally and we lose sight of how to worship God because we get caught in our traditions. So it says we get caught in those things. Jesus talked about it a lot with the Pharisees. You actually nullify all the things I want for you because you do it for the sake of your traditions. We don't worship traditions. By the way, we don't worship worship. We don't worship our type of worship. We don't worship our are, are like in it, we worship God. We magnify him, and the next one is, I think is really common, I don't worship God because I feel guilty and unworthy being in his presence. This is a big deal. 
It's like, man, I don't know how to spend God, spend time with God on you know, Sunday because I know what I did on Saturday. I know how I've been living. I know where I'm at. I know my lifestyle. I know how I've gone against God. I've rejected God, and I don't feel worthy to worship God. Let me give you a thought. We don't worship God because we are worthy. We worship God because he is worthy. And I wanna give you a little thought. If you learn how to be with God and worship God and taste and see that the Lord is good, then you'll lose as much taste as you have for the things of the world. The closer you get to God, it's, it's, not, it's not that we don't worship, it's that we worship something and we worship the wrong thing that can't provide for us what we're really longing for in our souls. I love this verse. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is even greater than our hearts and he knows everything. He knows everything. So can I give somebody an encouragement today? You're like, man, I feel disconnected from God because I've made mistakes or I've messed up. Well, Jesus shows us that he wants to be with you. He wants... He wants to be with you in your mess. And he's the one that can pull you out of your mess. The second R that I had was worship really at the end of the day, it's a response. It's a response where we have to be intentional about it. Man, there's resistance. But it's a choice. And it's a choice that is connected to a response, really. And so... We all have a response, you know? It's like if you have a teenager, they are good at not giving you the response that you want. You know, you do something real nice, you like it? Yeah. Appreciate that, brother. They're good at just a grunt response. Man. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, you could go around today. How are you doing? you're gonna get a response. If they could ignore you, they could say I'm doing great, there's a response. So when you have the opportunity to respond to God, no response is a response. Everybody has a response. Not impressed. That's a response. The heart responds to every encounter and opportunity with God. I was looking at this verse, we can go back to it, and I think there's some powerful things that God provides here, amazing things he provides. He says, the psalmist says, he answered me. Oh man, that's a powerful thing. How many of you have any kind of decision, maybe online or at a campus, you're like, Man, I'm praying about a kid. I'm praying about a situation. I'm praying about a job circumstance. I know you do because I've been a pastor for 30 years and it's the number one question. What's God's will? I wish I knew what God thought. Pastor, can you give me some counsel? Can you help me with this decision? If you would be more intentional about your worship and realize you can connect to God, you would understand that he wants to not just answer me, he wants to answer you. He answered me. Man, that's a game changer day. It's the number one thing when I'm working with my children, the number one thing. You know, by the way, your kids key off of your worship. If you're casual, they're casual. 
And so the number one thing I want from them is not necessarily just to run all the plays, but I want them to know how to spend time with God. I want them to enjoy the presence of God. I want them to worship God. I want them to seek God, and I want them to hear from God. Because hearing from God is the game changer. He answered me. He delivered me from my fears. Who couldn't use some of that? He keeps me in this place where I'm never ashamed. It says he makes my face radiant. I don't have shame and guilt all over my life. I'm a life-giving person because he's the one radiating my disposition. He's the one that gives me hope and joy. I don't have to be ashamed. He saved me from trouble. He's encamping around my dwelling. He's there by angels. It says, also, I love it, provision. The young lions are wanting and there's lack, but he says, you know, I'm not gonna withhold any good thing from you. Who doesn't want all those things? But did you know that's what God does? But in this Psalm, and I'm not trying to make it transactional in our relationship with God, it's a relational endeavor where we're connecting with him but there are some conditional statements in here. What do we do? It says, we bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I praise him. I magnify him. I seek him. I taste and see that he is good. You say, what are you trying to say, pastor? I'm saying that on the backside of you opening your life up more to magnify God, there's some good things. There's some goodness of God. There's some dimensions to who he is. There's some things he wants to show you about himself. There's some things that he wants to do in your life. And you say, are you really simplifying that to just my worship, my, yes. Magnifying him, seeking him, praising him, putting him at the center brings those things. And I wanna give you one simple practical step this first weekend. Next weekend, we're gonna get into more practicals. We're gonna talk about the participation and I'm gonna show you how your worship life and your praise and your is warfare spiritually the third week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get more pragmatic in this series. But my main goal and first goal is in our busy, I wanna give you a gift right here at the final part of my message. In our busy, kind of soul depleted life, in our running from and making happen life, in our busy, active, self-absorbed life, where we try to solve all our own problems and fix all our own situations and find an expert, I asked Betsy to come out because I wanna give you a gift. And you say, Pastor, what's the first step? And it's a step all of us can take. It's just open up your heart to God in a different place. Just open up your heart to God at a new place. Some of you say, I remember a time. I remember a time when his praise was continually in my mouth. I remember a time where just at the, at the it, didn't take, it didn't take much for me just to be right there in his presence because I was just walking with him and fellowshipping with him. You, you need to go back to that place. Some of you have never been to that place. Some of you, have, just, just open up your heart. I love the song, just I open up my heart to you. It's really about the heart. It's not even about the externals. It's about the heart. I'm gonna give you a gift in this final moment. I'm gonna ask unless it's emergency for no one to move around right here in the final moments. And just let you, just, just, just for a minute, just, just pause. Open up your heart. I saw something. 
few weeks ago. Really, really impacted me. Here at the Keller campus, for those of you watching somewhere else, there was, it was really a crowded Sunday. And our pastor started, the pastor Jeff Peltier, our executive pastor who sits right here in the corner of the front row section. Our pastor started leaving and giving up seats to let people be able to come in. And there was a couple that were ushered down and they were looking for seats and it was a couple and their, I don't know, their son, he's probably 11 years old. He's sitting in the executive pastor's chair. They were a little overwhelmed by it. Come to this big church full of people, people in the commons. I end up on the front row. It's a little intimidating. I could tell. They were like coming in. I looked over and I looked at the son. He's 11 years old. The the family was trying to kind of sort out this situation. And I I looked over at this 11-year-old boy. He wasn't worried about what was on the screen. He wasn't worried about the fact that he was sitting at the front. He wasn't worried about where he was sitting. Immediately when we started singing, I looked over at him. He's learned this somewhere. Somewhere, maybe in our kids' church, maybe in youth, I don't know. Maybe somewhere, I don't know. But man, he led the way. I looked at him and he just, he started singing. And he just closed his eyes and put his hands out. He just started worshiping God. Just started seeking God. I could just tell his heart was in it. It's not about his posture not about hands lifted. That's not what I'm getting into. I'm talking about he had a response. He had a response. Not, when are they gonna quit this rock music so the ball guy can talk? Not, what are they doing? What are we doing? This is great. Where are we going to lunch? How, when's this gonna be over? He came and he said, God, I'm here to meet with you. It just moved my heart. It moved my heart so much. I looked over at him. I was like, man, that, that. I pointed at Ty, one of our pastors. I said, look at that. When you read the scriptures, it's not the high knowledgeable people who can win Bible drills that Jesus was drawn to. He said, if you don't get the heart of that child, you're not gonna receive from me everything that I have available to you. I'm here to meet with you, God. I'm here to be with you. I want to know what's on your heart. Man, God, he's going to show up and do so much in a young man's life that has that kind of posture. Let's bow our heads together. And I just want to ask Betsy just to sing with us, just just between you and God. Just, Just block out your work situations. Just block out your problems. Just open up your heart for just a minute. Just, just, Just there for you. This is a gift to you. Have your way. 
Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that as we just open our hearts up to you, we say and agree with your word. My soul will bless the Lord. Lord, today we bless you. We bless you. We bless your name. We exalt your name. Lord, let us exalt your name together in this place. The truth is, Lord, that word magnify is a, it's really honor. It's, it's, it's putting you to the highest place of honor. And if we haven't said it lately, Lord, we say we need you. We need you in our lives. We honor you above all. You are our source. You are our provision. You are our God. You are the creator of the heavens and earth. So, Lord, we worship you today. I pray today, Lord, that what we see in this, the, the, the deliverance of fear, the, the strength that comes, the, the provision from you, all of those things, Lord, we know they come from your amazing hand. If there's one person listening to me right now, wherever they're listening who doesn't know you, Lord, I thank you, Lord, today you're drawing them to yourself. You may just pray, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my heart. He's been pulling you. Just say, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, we want to help you come to understand that relationship with Jesus. But for those who know you, Lord, we pray, Lord, make us more intentional, more intentional in our relationship with you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.